0: We are in the presence of greatness. We have with us some of the icons of Jewish education, the greatest rabbis in the state of Texas here, but also, not coincidentally, the Torch podcasters, all in one room, all under one roof. Of course, it's a porous roof. We're in a sukkah, and we're doing something we've never done before. This is a brand-new experiment. It may backfire completely. We'll see what happens. We're going to record all five of us here together today, tonight, in this exquisite circle, we're going to record a special podcast, and everyone's going to have a chance to share something about the festival, and also to showcase their podcasts, because, what can I say, at Torch, we have the best podcasts in the entire Jewish world, and probably in the world at large. So we got together, and uh, the audio is going to be a little bit different. You know, We're using one communal microphone. I hope it's recording well. But uh, the exquisite audio that you have become accustomed to with Torch, we're just not going to have that. There's other people in the room they make me noise. I think if someone else walks in, we're just going to force them to come on the podcast. That's going to be their punishment. But we're going to try to get together and just chat as if it was just kind of an informal discussion on the festival. And uh, we'll record it. And if it works out well, maybe we'll release it. That's the plan. Everyone's going to be able to share a little bit about the festival, maybe talk about their relationship with Torch, you know, their history with Torch a little bit, promote their show and or shows, give the audience something interesting to listen to, something interesting to chew over for the days of this festival, and then call it a day. What do y'all say? It's
1: great. It makes sense. Go for Thank it. you, Rabbi, Excellent. for uh, coordinating. Ah, oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, okay, so in the room we have uh, just an order of uh, seniority, Relative to her time at Torch, we have Rabbi Yaakov Nagel, who's been here since when? 1998. Since 1998, when I was 12. Rabbi Nagel was here uh, in Houston at Torch, uh, burning the midnight oil, building up the city, and uh, he's still with us. Rabbi Nagel has an incredible podcast, which is, which, what's the name of your podcast?
2: Well, it's the Dafyomi podcast. It's the one that's ongoing. Dafyomi uh, podcast. That's right. And, uh, of course, I collaborate with uh, Rabbi Arieh, uh, every uh, once in a while, and I've been a guest on dance, so I try to spread the
3: wealth. Fantastic. So we have the un- Unboxing Judaism podcast that we do together, and the Shema podcast of, of Dan.
0: And the, and the Dafyomi podcast. And the
3: Dafyomi, of course. And who are you? My name is Arya Wolby, and uh, I have been privileged to be working with Torch since 2005, seven years after Rabbi Nagel laid the groundwork for uh, this incredible organization. And it has been an absolute privilege for the past 18 years to be here and to be part of
0: this incredible uh, operation. Fantastic. Well, I'm Yaakov Wolby. I've been here since 2012. And of course, we're standing on the shoulders of giants here at Torch. It's great to have uh, uh, all of y'all here in, in the sukkah.
4: And I'm excited for this opportunity. I'm Chaim Bosko, also known as The Average Rabbi, which is a channel that started some time ago. It's not dead, but it's been sleeping for some time. But I've been making Torch Average since 2019, and uh, more recently launched a podcast with a student of mine named Joe Amar, and we are going through the basic fundamental beliefs of Judaism and a whole comprehensive overview of the entire religion, everything you need to know all the ins and outs so it's called what is Judaism check it out fantastic Dan started my
1: relationship with torch sure so I am a a product of torch the 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 torch rabbis are the ones that uh, began teaching me early on I became so inspired by them that I wanted to be like them so I I launched a podcast
0: (laughs) how's that going
1: It's been great because basically the whole idea of my podcast was as I went through this journey of becoming from becoming religious, learning Torah and observing it, I wanted to sort of take my listeners on this journey with me and go through and point out, you know, all the the pitfalls and things that I encountered so they don't have to and sort of lead the way as I've gone through this whole process all the way to, you know, living now in this community for a couple of years. And how's that been? How do you stand by your decision? (laughs) (laughs) Love the decision. I will say that, you know, one of the challenges I was thinking about, we were talking about this around the the Shabbos table uh, uh, not too long ago, but now that I've been sort of living here for a couple of years, I've lost sort of that edge. Like I've been thinking a lot about what would Dan Coleman 12 years ago, what were the questions that he would have? Because now everything's sort of normalized. So I've been sort of brainstorming that over the last several weeks trying to come up with what would Dan Coleman 12 years ago say that's really weird what you guys do <laughs> I don't want to ask my rabbi because he may get insulted those are the questions I want to address in the podcast uh upcoming for the next, in the months ahead I love it I got a uh,
0: I got a someone unsubscribed from my newsletter the rabbi talks about animal sacrifices I'm not interested so I was thinking like for us it's like so self-understood that we talk about animal sacrifices because there are sacrifices in the temple. And that's just, we take it for granted. It's been like that in the book, in Jewish life for thousands of years. But like from an outsider, it sounds like kind of strange. Yes. I'm like, whoa, it's a little scary. So yeah. sometimes you forget what it's like to be uh, to be normal or crazy. I'm not sure which one, <laughs> to be different. <laughs> uh, okay, so everyone has everyone has prepared something to talk about, about the festival, about uh, Sukkot or something related to it. We did not compare notes ahead of time. So, there's a non 0% chance that uh, someone prepared to talk about the exact same subject. Uh, And if that happens, I don't know, we'll just either wing it, go with it, whatever it is. Reverend Eagle, you've been here the longest. Why don't you get us started?
2: Okay. Now, here's something that I guess I have some favorite questions about this holiday. that's what I was going to talk about. (laughs) Oh, you killed it. (laughs) But maybe my questions are different than yours. Oh, okay. So I just want to throw out some of the questions. The answers are, the question is always more interesting than the answer. And the answer could be multiple answers. But one of my favorite questions about this holiday is that as far as I know, and I've been studying this religion, living it since I was a baby, uh, since I was born, really. And uh, it's the only holiday that really doesn't commemorate an actual event in history, it's a period of 40 years that it's celebrating, and we celebrate it for seven days, but it's like, what's up with that? I mean, it's, why is this different than all, I mean, that's actually a Pesach thing, but why is this different than all the other nights? But why is this holiday different than all other holidays that commemorate an actual dated event?
0: I'm not joking, that's literally what I want to talk about, but I guarantee okay. we're going different directions. I guarantee I'm it. sure, right, but I'm saying, <laughs> I
2: just wanted to bring out the question, because I enjoy that question so much, because it is something unique about this holiday.
0: of so, so, so nothing happened on the 15th day of Tishrei, is that what you're saying? Nothing happened. Well,
2: I didn't say nothing happened, but if you, we just, I give a class between Menchemar, and I was explaining, well, if it's commemorating the sojourn in the desert, so then, technically, the proper time to celebrate that would be right after Passover. Can you imagine going straight from Passover and say, okay, now it's like, boss, Sukkot. I'm not coming back for another <laughs> seven days, because now that we're out of Egypt, we're in the desert, and we are protected by the, by, you know, by the clouds of glory. So therefore, that's what's, uh, that's what's happening now, and we're celebrating that. That's when it should have been. And the only reason why I moved to Tishrei, according to the simple reading, is because it wouldn't be as obvious that that's uh, a celebration for the commandment of God. It would be more natural. It's the summertime. You want to get out of the stuffy house and go out into the, you know, and therefore in the spring is when you're going outdoors. When you go into the winter, you start going in the opposite direction. And here we're going out. That shows, that's what the kids are describing this holiday. That's how it's described. That kind of which falls is, apart in Houston. Yeah, it does fall it, apart it, it in didn't live here, right? In <laughs> Australia, probably. But, <laughs> um, but all I'm just driving at, which is the point, is that, um, yeah, it wasn't a specific event on the 15th of Tishrei, and, um, and it wasn't, it's not a, forget about that happened on that date. It's not a specific event. It's an experience that was 40 years in the desert that we're celebrating, which is odd. It's very odd. It's not like Hanukkah. It's not like Yom Kippur. Um, It's not like all the other holidays. And I just find, I like the question. And that's why I wanted to throw that question out, discuss. I have some thoughts on it, but I just want to start with that.
1: We can move on okay. the there yeah, there. Is the date specified in the Torah? Oh yeah,
0: of course. Okay. Yes. 15th day of the 7th month, Nisan ERC Vuntamas of El Tishrei, 7th month, 15th day of Tishrei. That's when you have the 7 days of the, sukkah, of the Sukkah, plus 1, plus 1 in the diaspora. It's like 7 days, but somehow it's 9 days in the calendar. Mm-hmm. right? 7 plus 1 seven plus seven. 1, right? So it's uh, 7 days plus Shemitah Tzach, right? Uh, but it does say Explicitly that this is the date. This is the date.
2: If you want, I can throw off some more questions. Let's go. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's go. A few very interesting questions. Out of all the other holidays, it is the most global. Meaning, it's a holiday that transcends the Jewish people in the sense that we are actually focused on the 70 nations of the world and bringing special sacrifices for each of those 70 nations, which is also super interesting. I mean, normally you assume that a holiday that the Jewish people have would be for the Jewish people. Talmud tells us that had the Gentiles known that we bring sacrifices for their well-being, they never would have attacked us and destroyed our temple. They never would allow that to happen because it's what is giving them their blessing. And when do we do that? On this holiday of all holidays, on Sukkot. We don't do that any other holiday that we have a special focus on
4: the nations of the world even the prophet that we read on the first day in Zechariah he says that right when Yes. when the they're going to do sukkahs also right, right they'll come they'll come and bring sacrifices at the temple during sukkahs. after, the after nations the of, of the, the world Messiah, exactly
2: right? so there's something very very global beyond our own you know clan of jewish people that's 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 going
0: on on sukkahs. it's also the mitzvah that the gentiles are offered to do at the very la- at the very end, when they're given one last chance, right? To, out of all the, mitzvahs of the world, all the mitzvahs. why they pick
2: that one? It's another fascinating discussion. These are food for thought, I guess. I love it. Okay. So, what's your
0: answer? Let's hear the answer.
2: Oh, to me, I like I said, the answer is much less. It's like important.
0: Pesach.
4: It's all about the questions. <laughs>
2: right. it's all about the questions. It's always all pause about the, the questions.
4: podcast and think about it, <laughs> and <then laughs> right. come back and hear the. We'll answer.
2: come back. Right? Exactly. Uh, my answer so there's uh, let's let's start with some ideas and then hopefully from these ideas you could develop some some thoughts. So first of all just because it's not really a very specific event it's celebrating a specific relationship okay A a relationship with God and that is an interesting thing to have but that's it's like somewhere in all of our religion it's important to have some sort of other way to celebrate that's not specific to a a commemoration of sorts it's important to have that why Sukkahs of all holidays that that's what it is be discussed but to me I think that it's uh, it's a unique opportunity to think that look you know hey maybe maybe there's you know we don't need to focus on a specific event to connect to God we can focus on a relationship and our experience in the world as human beings, really. In other words, what I'm saying is that this, and therefore it's a transcendent holiday in a sense, because that's what it is. It's an opportunity to focus on the existence of humankind, being in this world, and why. what are we doing here? And in that sense, it almost makes sense, if you think about that it has to do with creation of the world then it's like at least the right month for that because it's happening at the you know very close to the creation of the world to Rosh Hashanah when the world was created when man was created and it's soon after that that we have this unique celebration that's the celebration of humankind and the existence of a world and what God wants from this world and a relationship that we can that we can and should have with God, recognizing that the is in my mind is actually a, a miniature of the world, of our man's hand in this world, so to speak. And that's really the direction I'd like to go with the thought process and what it's all about.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And it's also connected to Yom Kippur, right? Right.
1: comes after Yom, Yom Kippur. Kippur. Right.
0: You can't really do this without Yom Kippur.
1: Yeah, I always see like Sukkos following, you know, Russia and Yom Kippur is the same as, you know, Shavuos following Pesan, like they need each other. You go from coordinating the king, it's very formal, you ask forgiveness. And then after you get past all that formality, then you sit and celebrate with the king.
0: For seven days and he says, well, one more, one more, just one
4: more. Mm -hmm now that you brought that up this is not what i was going to speak about but i was just told this today by a torch student who's now in yeshiva ethan gates who i'm sure he would uh he would very much appreciate this being dropped but he said this fantastic idea which ties into this and i might modify it slightly but he said one of the ideas is the intensity of being in the sukkah is when you're in your house you're able to hide there's a roof over your head and you can sequester yourself inside and you can Pretend like the outside world doesn't exist. You can pretend like Hashem's not part of your life, and you can live as if you've created your in own your little own world in your bubble. But then, for one week, we're forced to come outside and face reality. And you're in the presence of the Shekhinah and there's the presence of the, of the divine uh, presence of God. And there's no hiding from that. And you're face to face with what's real and with what's important. And my modification, I think, is what it ties into Yom Kippur is that normally that would be too intense for us because It's it's humiliating when we come face to it's scary because we don't often live with enough integrity and so therefore we'll be forced to face reality and That will contradict the way we're living We won't be able to handle it, but coming from Yom Kippur we're clean. We're fresh, and Hashem's given us a fresh start and forgiven our sins, and we're able to come. and, and There's no embarrassment anymore. There's no. I, I'm okay not hiding. I can come out and face God, and be in the presence of uh, of divinity, and uh, and face reality and focus on what's important without that fear of, of that lack of uh, integrity.
0: This, this might be connected to the other point that Rabbi Nagel brought, and that that we're talking about the Gentiles as well. You know, when we go outside. Sometimes we leave. A little, we leave our little cocoon. We leave the shtetl, so to speak, we leave the comfort of our home and we see the world out at out, out large and we actually do remember that we have a responsibility towards them. We gotta bring our seventy sacrifices for each nation. And that uh, does does kind of have a, a little bit of a of a, of a of an aroma, of a scintilla of, of Messiah, right? I remember my grandfather used to always say, He's a Messiah's not for us. Messiah's for the Gentiles. We were had our, we had a revelation. We had our sign of revelation. They haven't. They they need it, and we got to go out there, so to speak, and help contribute and you know bring about that. See that when we get together, these new the, stuff, the, new ideas really surface. This is, this yeah. is like a, this is like the uh, exchange of ideas, and everyone contributes. everyone well, what do you prepare? So,
3: on the same theme, because the theme is Sukkot, you know, the holiday of Sukkot, and uh, to me, it's always amazing that it's always. Immediately after Yom Kippur that we leave our homes. We have the sukkah. We're sitting in a sukkah right now. Now, for those of you who are listening to this um, You may be anywhere on planet Earth, but the weather in Houston at this moment is not very pleasant. I know some people think it is. It's hot. It's humid. It's uh, um, It's not so pleasant and yet we leave our homes We get out of the comforts of our home. Why? Because what happened in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur was that we say, please, Hashem, forgive us, we have sinned. Hashem, please forgive us. And Hashem says, I forgive you because you asked. But what led us to sin? What led mankind? Now, if I may, just today, I uh, was with my children at a a trampoline park, and the kids were jumping, and a, a woman comes over to me. She says, are you a rabbi? I said, guilty as charged. And she says, well, I'm a devout Christian. Can we talk for a few minutes? I said, please, let's go. And we sat and she started talking and she was telling us, she was telling me how we are all born with sin. And I said, well, that's contrary to Jewish belief because we're not born with any sin. We're born clean. right? God gave us a pure soul, a, a holy, uplifted soul that, uh, that we, are, we are here to keep and maintain clean and hopefully bring godliness into this world. But Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is a time where we cleanse that soul. It's a time when we cleanse from any sin directly with the Almighty. We, have, we don't need any intermediaries. We don't need any, any, any conduits. And now we're demonstrating by leaving our homes that we're not going to get into the same habits that brought us down till now. Because the first thing that brings us down is habit. We get into a routine, we get into a pattern of luxury, of comfort, of, of materialism. It's not very materialistic in this sukkah. It's hot, it's unpleasant, we want to be inside with the air conditioning. No, 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 no. When you get too comfortable there, you may go astray. Come out of your homes and we demonstrate how we're we're taking making a change in our lives. We're we're demonstrating physically We're not going to keep the same routine, the same materialistic lifestyle that we had, that potentially caused us to make those errors. We're going to change by leaving. Another amazing part of Yom of Sukkos, is that it's Yom Simchasenu, Zman Simchasenu. It's the time of great joy. It's time of great joy. And that is, like you mentioned, to feel a sense of responsibility for the nations of the world. So, another story of... uh, Whenever I go to, I have this lock, this mazel. I don't know if it says it on my back. Hi, I'm Jewish. You can ask me any questions. But whenever I'm going up and down in the supermarket, I have people stop me. Not always, but very frequently. You're Jewish? And they ask me all these different questions. What are the strings? What's that on your
4: head? Et cetera, et cetera. Hold on. Do you think that you don't look Jewish? <laughs> no, I know I look
3: Jewish. I know I look Jewish. But I don't know what. what, like, I'm not the only Jew in this world. You know what I mean? It's like they probably have seen many more. But it, it's just, it, it's, I had once a guy who came over to me at Costco, and he runs over to me like, like oh, I finally found him, you know? And he says to me, do you mind I touch your tzitzit, your, your strings, the fringes? I said, please go right ahead, showcase, you know? Like, uh, I'm a museum, you can touch, to go go right ahead. He touches it and he says to me, do you realize that the nations of the world, we all look up to you, Jews. We look up to you. You need to live up to the example. And it it, it occurred to me that something that perhaps in a yeshiva lifestyle, they don't tell you this, but the nations of the world really look up to us to be an example. It's a time of joy. It's a time of joy because it's a time for us to take responsibility we celebrate responsibility we celebrate the undertaking of responsibility but there's another aspect of joy and that is when we're grateful when we're grateful when we're thankful for everything that we have it's a time of unbelievable joy we would not have one person in this world today on prozac or any type of uh uh d uh SSRI. Antidepressant. what antidepressant or a- anything they wouldn't have anybody if they were thankful we think that because we're living in a culture where everyone has so much plenty and please, people should this, be happy. This has not
0: been approved by the FDA or any uh, the CDC. The, the WHO <laughs> definitely does not approve. The CDC does not approve. <laughs> Fauci does not approve. But
3: the idea is that the more we're grateful, it's not the more we have, the happier we are. I'll tell you, just to finish with this. When, when my wife and I moved to Israel in 2001, my father-in-law, I think he did this because he wanted us to meet this great tzaddik. But he says, there's a, there's a very righteous tzaddik I've been very close to who lives in Me'asharim. And I want you to go give him give him something for me. It was a, a, a check, a donation that he gave for him. I walked into his house. And first, I couldn't find the house because it was so small that if you blinked, you missed, you missed the little walkway that led up the steps into this maybe 10 by 10 foot, not meter, 10 by 10 foot home, and you walk into this little crickety-crackety, uh, you know, behind this door and he, he had a little kitchen there and a little teeny bedroom, but he had a smile that was worth a trillion dollars. He was the happiest man alive because he had it all. He had everything. Everything he had, he was grateful for. And you, what you saw was a pure happiness that I, I, I almost have never seen another human being before or after. Because he had everything. Just like Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, our patriarch, Yeshli I've got it all. And as long as we go with that attitude, you know what? We're sitting in a that's not so great. Realize that you've got it all. You have a home. You have the air conditioning. You have a car. You have whatever it is. The world that in the world that we're living in today, we're so spoiled, but we're not as grateful. And the more grateful we are, that's why this holiday is the holiday when we're leaving our home the holiday of joy appreciate what you have
0: well i I brought my ipad and
3: and and the jewish inspiration podcast has now 124 episodes and we just launched this week the brand new thinking talmudist podcast which has has one episode
0: right we're looking forward every
3: week to add another episode
0: i was saying that i brought my ipad because i need my notes because I don't remember stuff as well as I used to. But when you were speaking, I actually added to my notes, because I love what you said. Both stuff that you said was were great. The thing you said about joy, I already heard it on the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, which I am a very dedicated listener to. So that I heard, and that story I heard. But the other point, that we leave our house to disrupt our habits, and to change our patterns, and to kind of start from scratch and rebuild our new habits, ground up without... The same tendencies, I absolutely love. That. and I added to my notes, and it's going to be per- permanently enshrined in uh, in my notes. Uh, honor, and honor, and so theme. long as uh, Google Drive uh, is uh, extant. I love that. That's that's great. That, that's it was worth coming and sweating with y'all just to hear that.
4: <laughs> please honor us. Sure. Chaim, Chaim, Chaim. So,
0: as they swill their wine,
4: makes the narration. <laughs> the, the idea that I'm going to share isn't only about Sukkot it's really also about mainly about the upcoming holiday which is Shmini Atzeres and in the in the diaspora out here we split it up into two days we have Shemini Atzeres and the second day we, we call Simchas Torah Simcha Torah and that's a, a pretty not focused on holiday and maybe a little bit under undervalued uh, because it's, it's not understood as well. And so I'm going to zoom out a little bit and look at a big the pattern of the three festivals that we have, because really Shemini is connected to Sukkot. It really is its own independent holiday, but it is a connection to Sukkot. The Spas Emes was a great Kabbalist. And he explained as follows that the three festivals parallel the three layers of the soul. And if you're not familiar with what they are, we'll go a very quick overview. There are three layers of the soul. There's the nefesh, which is the lowest level. The In fact, Kabbalists say, some of them say that it's not really even spiritual at all. It's, uh, it's the most ethereal of physicality, but it's the animating life force of the body. It makes things alive. The nefesh, it interacts with the physical world and its life. Above that, you have the ruach, which is translated as spirit. And that's the connector. So that connects the nefesh to the higher level, which is the neshama, which doesn't have any interaction with physicality. And neshama is what we normally call the soul. The neshama is a completely independent spiritual entity, almost like an angel. It's a spiritual entity that comes down and connects with this whole system to to form the human being as we know it. So these three layers of the soul correspond to the three festivals that we have. have The first one is Passover. Pesach corresponds to the Nefesh because Passover is the birth of the Jewish people and it gave life to this entity that we now know as the collective of the Jewish soul, the Jewish person, uh, the Jewish people. So that's the Nefesh, is the life form. Above that, we have the Ruach. That corresponds to Shavuos, Pentecost, I think it's called.
0: Pentecostal? Is Pentecostal.
4: it? Pentecost. Pentecost oh, Okay. Which One is. One of
2: the seven weeks. That's what it means. Pentecost seven. So.
4: As as five. Pentecost. It's
0: like the Pentagon's good. got four Because five. Because uh, the Torah
4: right, was given, five, maybe. The,
2: that's what we got the right. Right. right so
4: right, that. that's the point, right? The it's point of Shavuos. the holiday. Shavuos. Shavuos <laughs> is the, is Best the holiday. Whole of the yeah. Yeah. Best whole week. Yeah. That's whole week. It's the holiday where we got the Torah. And the Torah is the connection that we have from the physical world up to the spiritual realms and our ability to manipulate the spiritual from the physical. That's the connection. That's the essence of what a ruach does, is it connects something higher to something lower. So we have Passover, corresponds to the nefesh. We have Shavuos, corresponds to the ruach. And finally, Sukkot corresponds to the neshama, because the whole idea of Sukkos is is abstinence. Leave your physicality, leave your home, and go dwell with God. It's a completely divorced uh, reality, a divorced uh, life. That we that we experience, um, and but there's one more holiday, which is Shmini So what's that? So the Sma Emma says something great. He says the Shmini corresponds to the what's called the Neshama Yisera. The Neshama is literally means extra soul, extra soul that we get on Shabbos. Now Rashi says, what does the Neshama Yisera do? Rashi says that it allows us to eat more on Shabbos. So many seminary girls misinterpret this as saying that you can eat a lot and you don't gain any weight. It's not true. It's a mitzvah to get fat on Shabbos. So you do gain weight. So what does it mean that you can eat more? I'm sorry, bang the table. It's fine. You've been in the table all the whole time. It's me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So what does it mean that you can eat more on Shabbos? The idea of Shabbos, the reason we're eating at all—I mean, Shabbos is the holiest day. We should be completely immersed in in prayer and Torah study. On Shabbos, we have a special ability to fully engage in the physical world and not be distracted by it, and not be sucked in by it, and to use to for the ultimate purpose of why we're here is to use physicality purely for a spiritual purpose and not for its own sake at all. That's normally impossible for a human being. But for a Jew who has Shabbos, gets Neshama Yaseiro, gets this extra soul that enables us to, quote-unquote, eat more, it enables us to engage in the physical world and not be sucked in by it and get distracted by the illusion of the matrix. So what Shemini atsaras is, is after we've gone through this seven-day period of abstinence, which, by the way, like Rabbi Nagel said, is relevant to all of humanity. Because everyone can relate to the spirituality of abstinence. Go sit on a mountain and meditate. Forget the physical world. Completely identify as a spiritual being. That the whole world can relate to. And that is relevant to everyone. But what's special for the Jews is that last stage. Where you go beyond abstinence. You go beyond spirituality. Where you dive deep into physicality. We leave the sukkah. It seems anticlimactic. I mean, this is a beautiful place to be. We leave the sukkah, we go back into our home, and then it's just like, have a meal. What? Nothing, right? Just live. Just be involved in the world. That's the epitome of our entire life. That's the, the work of a Jew. That's the epitome of spiritual engagement is to dive deep into the physical world and use it for a purely spiritual purpose. And that should be the focus of once we're armed with our spirituality being in the circle, we can go back into the world and and see the the code of the matrix. Neo, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you do. I don't know. When Neo sees the code coming down through the matrix, he's in it, but he sees that it's just source code. He sees that it's just an illusion. We experience the physicality for what it really is, just a construct for us to enable our spirituality.
1: Beautiful.
0: I think that the Matrix was like required reading at age.
4: <laughs> at age,
0: yeah, yeah it's a, that a whole class based upon the Matrix and how that the whole thing is just a muscle
2: for this world.
0: Yeah, well, it's a muscle, but it's also, you know, there's just things that are not real and they're disrupting you, and you're 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 in this fake world because there's the real world, but you get so consumed by the by the attraction of the fake world that it kind of makes you lose what you really was supposed to be after. Mm-hmm. And remind me, Rabbi Basko, what is the name of your podcast? We know you're the average rabbi, and that's been on ice for a little bit, but uh, tell me about the average podcasts.
4: So the current podcast that I'm working on now, I discussed earlier, it's called What is Judaism? What
0: is Judaism? Where, How many what
4: episodes? It, uh, I, I don't remember. Eight? A check. I have it, I'm an like... avid subscriber. What it is, I can tell you uh, what the format is. There was a, a great sage, Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzotto, who lived in Italy, and already by the time he was 14, somewhere around there, he already became a master Kabbalist. And his, what made him really unique, in addition to just being a tremendous scholar, was his ability to organize information and present it in a systematic way that's accessible to the average person and so he wrote a text called Der HaShem the way of God which delineates all of Judaism it breaks it down this is what a Jew has to know starting from number 1 what is god how do we relate to god all the way to the nitty-gritty specifics of what we're doing in our in our religious practice and it's a it's an absolute masterpiece doesn't need my approbation but What the podcast is, is I'm with my student, Joe, who's a fantastic individual. He's an earnest uh, person and very intelligent. And so I'm teaching him in English. We go through all the text in word for word in the original Hebrew. I explain it and translate it into accessible language. And he hears it for basically the first time and asks questions and you get that back and forth of the perspective of an intelligent student hearing the information and, uh, and the explanations. So we have Fantastic. a lot of fun doing it. What
0: is Judaism? Right. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Everywhere. Thank you. Bravo. Okay, Dan, hit us hard. Let's go.
1: Wow. All right. First, I want to say like, what uh, Rabbi Busco was uh, thinking of it that way. You think about what caused the sin uh the spies. They didn't want to leave the sukkah. They didn't want to go into the land. You know, they wanted to have that spiritual experience. Uh, you're right. This is like what it was all about. Was it Hashem intended all along to do that. Um, you know, the, the thing I always focus on, I, I found it. Uh, I was reading the commentary on the uh, twelve we read that you, you referenced. Um, and there was a uh, comment by Rabbi Hirsch talking about, as he was, as the Paptor Parsh, uh talking about the War of Gogan About the word "go" is means roof, and he was sort of discussing it. You guys can probably elaborate a little more about it's about this whole idea, the whole battle. uh, In the end, of days when Mashiach comes, is that people people that think they're in power now, because they have buildings and wealth or whatever else, they think they're in control. Security, this sense, this false illusion of security, you know. They really don't. That Hashem's in control. Because right after Yom 12, I, you know, I did a quick scroll of the news and you see all these things happening in the world. And you see how Hashem's creating this massive illusion that these people are in control and in power. And really what He's doing is He's testing our hearts to see who do you fear? Who do you rely on for your sustenance? Is it flesh and blood? Or is it me? He's like magnifying this illusion. So I... I was sort of seeing the Suka, sort of looking at like like Superman's, you know, he had that place in the North Pole that was his uh, Fortress of Solitude. The Fortress of Solitude. Not part right? of the Ace curriculum, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> but it was where he would go to recharge, you know, and like get back his powers from from Krypton, I guess. And I was seeing the souka, I was like, this is what this plate. this is what a suka is. It's a recharging station for Bitacon for Amuna. It's to get away and realize, like, where is my focus? Who am I relying on for my livelihood? Who do I fear? You know, because anything other, Hashem, for both those things is wrong. It's an absolute illusion. So I need this time just to, like, recenter myself before I go back out into the world again. So I start off the year, like, centered. And, and uh, I don't get wrapped up in the, uh, the illusion of the matrix. That, I love that's it. All came up with.
0: I love it. That's great. <laughs>
1: perfect.
0: What's it called? What's the place called in North Pole?
4: The Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. He got his power from the sun, by the way. Very not Jewish. Oh, yeah. That's true. But <laughs> and what's your podcast? My podcast
1: is the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed. Again, for the listeners, I am looking for new episode, new episode ideas. So again. Email me ideas you have. Those questions, again, where you said, you know, these Orthodox Jews, that this one thing they do. That you see in Castro, those people. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's weird. What, what are they, what's, what's going on with them? I'm not going to ask my rabbi that. It'd be insulting, you know, or I'd be embarrassed I didn't know. Email those to me at president at torchweb.org. I'll keep your name anonymous if you choose. And we'll discuss the idea, a lot of these topics I've been uh, sort of exploring, I'm definitely now going to be bringing on, not rabbis, but Rebetzins, because some of the topics are going to be best explained by them, like what exactly is a rabbi, and why can't a woman be a rabbi, or does it say that, uh, why can't men dance with women in events? all these things that are sort of taboo, those are the ones I want to tackle. Please send me all your ideas. Well, good luck. Uh, good luck getting my wife on the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I tried, Tom Meadley, I tried. Uh, Reverend Zahava would join. Maybe Dr. Nagel would join. Perhaps the average Rabbit would join.
3: <laughs> on, yeah. I'll just tell Maybe. you that as soon as I t- accepted my first job offer in Bridgeport, Connecticut, I was still in Israel packing my bags, and I ran to my grandfather and I said, I. I heard that the question people are asking most in America is why can't women be rabbis? And he said, I have no idea what you're talking about. He says, women could be rabbis. He says, let them learn the material and they can be ordained and be rabbis. What's the problem? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: would go to a shul with a woman that, rabbi?
3: That, it's a different question of being a rabbi and being a leader of a congregation.
0: So say they're, like, so like, like Deborah. Ser- yeah. We had we had
3: women leaders who were leading the Jewish people. That doesn't mean that. Okay, it's it's a whole different discussion. Okay. Save, a it the Save it for a podcast. <laughs> when a lot of
4: people hear the word rabbi, what they think is Jewish priest, right? The right. Jewish equivalent of a pastor. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another thing that needs to be tackled.
0: But but, but could tradition. women do a podcast for Torch? That's the most important question. <laughs> Definitely, I'm gonna
4: find them.
1: Definitely. I'm <laughs> <on. laughs>
0: Uh, okay, yes, I'm the last one left here. Yeah, turn. Okay, Um so the question that I wanted to throw out there is the same question Robert Nagel asked, and that is why are we celebrating Sukkot on the fifteenth day of Tishrei when nothing that we know of happened on this day? So there are a variety of answers, like you said, that maybe uh, well, we do says that they did. Oh, well, that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, okay, so we're talking about that right now. That's right. What does the Vilgont say?
3: That they actually, that they, because of the sin of the golden calf, they lost the clouds of glory as a protect, protector, and only after they were forgiven on Yom Kippur were they worthy of getting it back. But not till they had the temple funds ready, which happened on the fourteenth day of Tishrei, they that, that they, they they started building it. Then they were able to actually have it. And that's why we celebrate on the fifteenth.
4: I I no, no, list. that's fine. That, 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 that's what the going of says. Before you start, I, I just want to say something. I'm excited to hear this, because yes. I didn't grow up religious, for anyone that's listening doesn't know me, and I, at a later age, around 19, 20 years old, attended a yeshiva, a Talmudic academy for beginners that didn't even know how to read Hebrew, which I didn't. And when I was there, that's when I met Rabbi Yaakov Wolby, and he became a very close mentor of mine, and one of my biggest influencers. And I remember... Many, many years ago in Jerusalem, we were on a bus, and you told me this. You told me this idea. Maybe it's been modified in years since. I,
0: I made this up today, so maybe I forgot it.
3: What did you remember?
4: What did you remember? I want why, Bits and pieces. That's why I was excited to hear it again. But maybe, you. let's see.
0: Let's see if I say the same thing. If I say the same thing again, then I just, uh, I don't like to repeat content. We'll have to edit it out of the podcast. Anyhow, so we have the, the sukkah. The sukkah, we're told, it's because of the clouds of glory. Clouds of glory got right after the Exodus. So the question is, why don't we, sell, why don't we eat the matzah and the sukkah? So, to kind of fit with the timeline. That's the question. So we have one answer. God Vilna says the answer is that, well, we had the clouds of glory for 40 years, but there were some lapses. There were some lapses. Actually, two lapses. When Aaron died, the clouds of glory temporarily went away, and Moshe restored them. But during that time, Amalek attacked. But also, by the sin of the golden calf, a couple of couple of weeks after sign of revelation clouds of glory went away moshe gets the second set of tablets in kippur that's day 10 of tishrei day 11 there's the instruction to go assemble the materials for the tabernacle day 12 13 they start assembling it for two days like the verse says in uh in precious truma day 14 they make another announcement to stop don't bring any more donations. And day 15 and start building it. Day 15, the day that we celebrate is the first day of Sukkot. that's when they start building the tabernacle, because that coincided with the uh, with the restoration of the gods of glory after they had been removed, after the Jewish nation sinned. That's what the Gonavilla says. Here's the questions. A few questions in this. First of all, according to his calculation, we have the arrival of the clouds of glory at two junctures at the Exodus. And then we had them, we lost them, we got them back. So subsequently they came back. They came twice. They came once, and we lost them, they came back again. And we celebrate not the, the inception, the initial time that they came out, but when they were restored. And the question is why? Like, Why would you, the question can be posed again, yes, I gather they came back after we lost them, but why are we celebrating those clouds and not the original clouds? Question number one. Question number two, we know the Jewish people were forgiven on Yom Kippur. Moshe went to send the golden calf. They lost the tablets. When they get the tablets back? On Yom Kippur. They were condemned to be destroyed. When was that? When were they forgiven? On Yom Kippur. So it seems like all the destruction that happened as a result of the golden calf was all rectified on Yom Kippur, except the clouds of glory. So why did the clouds of glory not be restored? Well, were they delayed by it? Exactly. Days? Why are they contingent?
3: You're saying we should have Yom Kippur in the sukkah as well,
0: with the matzah. Uh, well, I'm, I, according right. to the Gonville's Gorn, the calculation, they, they did not come back in Yom Kippur. Apparently, they didn't come back in Yom Kippur. So those are the two questions that I wanted to uh, to pose. And I want to I want to suggest an answer. So far, my uh, in line with what we said on the bus.
4: <laughs> I think I think you just told me to go.
0: Okay, okay. So here's what I wanted to suggest. This is kind of a, a stub that we have to develop more. I want to suggest there's two levels of repentance. There's to do repentance, like an isolated act of repentance, and then there's to actually be a possessor of repentance, a to own the repentance. We know that in, in Talmudic parlance, the word for a penitent, someone who does repentance, is a baal teshuva. Is that right? A baal teshuva. What's a baal Master. Name? Master ba'al, baal you own something. You're the baal Habais, the owner of the house, the homeowner is baal Habais. So when someone owns repentance, it says they're baal teshuva. Baal teshuva. Is that right? Is that right? Uh-huh. Yes. And the verse and the Talmud tells us, everyone's favorite Talmud, the place where the baal teshuva stands, even the tzaddikim gemurim cannot stand. Even this thing the we of rumor cannot stand. But it doesn't say the place where someone who did repentance stands, even someone who is a completely righteous person cannot stand. It says the Baal so to I want to suggest that there's two levels of repentance. There's two levels of repentance. Level one is repentance of Yom Kippur. Level two is repentance of circus. That's what I want to suggest. Ready? Hear me out. Like uh Rabbi Arya said, Sukkot is about kind of continuing Yom Kippur, making sure that not only we, not only we don't we don't just talk the talk, we walk the walk, but also not o- we, we remove the circumstances that brought us to sin the first pla- in the first place. Now grandfather always says like is like a spaceship. You're going up to heaven. And you're 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 just in the highest level with you're like the angels. You know, they wear white and stand on one foot and you uh, uh, you appropriate the blessings of the angels. You're at this very high level. You don't eat, right? You, it's just you're spiritual in spiritual existence. Exactly. Completely subliminal spiritual uh uh level of uh uh the words use? used, ethereality? That's the way word that you used. Ethereal. Ethereal. Rabbit Buster. Matrix. Matrix. <laughs> Matrix. What happens after you? after Yom Kippur, the spaceship comes back down to Earth. It re-enters the atmosphere. And what's the biggest danger, my grandfather used to always say, when the spaceship hurtles back into the atmosphere? Re-entry. The re-entry, it's going to fall apart. That's what happened to Columbia, I believe, right? Columbia? It's fine in heavens. It comes back down. There's all, all sorts of that. Why? Because you have recidivism. You have recidivism. And in order to ensure that the Yom Kippur is complete, you have to have about you to be the owner of it not just that you do not just your repentance you do repentance you, you act re- with repentance you actually own it it's yours and you're ins- you're sure that this relationship is going to endure you' people know, we do repentance that's the mess of the day to do repentance circus is about ensuring that we own it we're we're masters of it we we, we have this relationship secure going forward and perhaps we can suggest Maybe, this is this is kind of a way of phrasing it, but maybe the clouds, they did come back on Yom Kippur. But it was clouds, of the same clouds at Sinai. What happened at Sinai? Jewish people are the closest way to Shem on Sinai. It's like Yom Kippur. But they did the golden calf. And that's not the clouds we're celebrating. It was only once they had Yom Kippur. And then they said, we're going to build an edifice. We're going to build an environment that's going to be such a prophylactic against sin It's going to be a closeness with Hashem at all times. It's going to be a portable Sinai. It's going to be Yom Kippur, wherever we are. We're living it for for perpetuity. See, that's courtesy of the uh, non-studio environment. Someone's driving a bike. Poor (laughs) poor crowd. (laughs) Poor crowd. They had to endure that. Sorry for that. Only once we have this portable Sinai, which the Ramban says that the Mishkan, the tabernacle, is a portable Sinai. It's a portable Yom Kippur. That's what it is. It's not sure that you you own it. It's yours, not something you level your reach, but you could just drop off a cliff. It's yours forever. Now you're a Baal The But Malcolm Shbalchuva owned the place where Baal Chuva stands so thinking we cannot stand. Complete righteous people, pristinely righteous people cannot stand. The clouds of the Tsada the clouds of Sinai, of Yom Kippur are great. That's not what we're celebrating. We're celebrating when you own it. That's what we're celebrating. So the, the theory, the theory is that that's what, you, that's what sukkah is about. Like you said, it's, it's about ensuring that we create an atmosphere and environment in which we're going to be sure that we're going to take what we've earned, what we've accomplished, and we're going to perpetuate it throughout the year. And we will, we'll, we'll, we'll be in an environment, in a situation, in, in this in this cocoon with God and eventually, we'll find a way to take that. You know, I think simple, uh, simple, simple story is part, is part of that. It's, it's to find a way to have a departure that's not really a departure. Let's have one day where we celebrate and we kind of cement their relationship going forward. And even when God does leave, even when we don't have a tabernacle, that 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 fire and that heart is still present. That Yom Kippur is still alive within us. We own it. We're the Bali Chuba. We own it. That's what Succos is about. Taking that 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 heights. Those heights those cosmic heights that we reached the, on Yom Kippur, making sure that we don't just have this re-entry, there's no risk of recidivism, and that's what we're celebrating. And that's why the 15th day of Tishrei, we start the festival circus, and it corresponds to the time where we built the tabernacle, which was about maintaining perpetuating Sinai. We're doing that as well now. Perpetuating Yom Kippur, perpetuating Sinai, and ensuring that we are at this peak throughout the year. And that's what those clouds are. And thus, our answers, our questions are resolved. And uh, the next stage, of course, is to figure out, okay, well, how do we do that? Like, what's the, what, what do we do in Sukkos to make sure that we actually foster that atmosphere and that environment? But that's, to me, that, that's the structure. That's what's happening now. What's happening now is we're building the tabernacle, which is going to be the insurance and assurance that Yom Kippur is perpetuated with us throughout the year. Those were my uh, were my thoughts. I want to add a little bit something uh, that there's
3: many stories that I I read this year. I was going to add it in my class and I forgot about it. So it's an opportunity to mention it here. There are many of the sages who after Yom Kippur weren't rushing to break their fast. They'd sit and learn and learn and learn and learn Torah till way into the night. And then uh, at some point they they were hungry. They, They broke their fast. What's the idea? The idea is is that we're, what are we asking for? We're asking it should be a year of blessing, a blessing in our Torah and our spirituality, staying away from sin, you know, doing the right thing, and then we just go go right home and, and eat and, and and drink and talk about uh, the guy who was standing next to me and the chazen was those, you know, especially for Musaf was terrible, oh, right, and and we're we're like. One second. what happened to all the things you prayed for go right away and collect it it's right there right go actualize what you have asked for i mean don't just like that eh, one day hopefully it'll it'll arrive at my door and i'll have that success no immediately go collect it And i saw the yeshiva here in houston the masifta uh the high school boys they had a learning program right after yom kippur all the boys went back to the yeshiva broke their fast quickly go back to yeshiva quickly Let's get some get some learning. Get, it doesn't have to be so long, but claim what you've asked for. You asked for a great year. Here you go. You have a great year. Start it right away on the right foot.
0: Actualize, Actualize. Your blessings. I love it. This was so much fun. We, we have to do this now every festival, I, I think. Hanukkah I, round I like table, this. Pesach round table with just the cackling oh, noise right, of cracking right, right. we, we have
3: Rosh Chodesh coming up.
0: we Rosh, every ready, Rosh, Rosh, Chodesh? Rosh Chodesh. We'll have to see how the uh-huh. podcast comes out. I want to quickly. Run through everyone's shows again so everyone can listen. Now you got a little taste of some of the Torch talent. you got, to, you got a little taste. You your appetite. It will whet your appetite. So we'll start with Dan. Dan's podcast is the Shema podcast.
1: The Shema podcast. The podcast, podcast for... Per, perplexed. But that's
0: one show, right? That's just a subtitle.
1: That's correct. That, that's the, the Shema podcast.
0: Of, yes. And that's fantastic. Rabbi Nagel has two shows. Is that right? Dafyomi podcast. Is this called, just called The Fiomi podcast? Yeah.
2: The Fiomi Are there a 100
0: competitors? There are. So how is it differentiated? The same Rabbi Nagel as well.
2: It's Rabbi Nagel's. uh oh, so podcast. Like, Nagel
0: spelled N A G E L G E L, not G L E. Rabbi Nagel's Daffy podcast, the best podcast in the country. And
2: it's
0: there's two daily podcasts. One is the new Daf, and one
3: is the review of yesterday's Daf. Right. Oh. So that's
2: that is something that's very unique. That I find that just going over piece-by-piece, step-by-step of the previous day's study is a way to concretize it. It's a way to take what you learned and bring it forward, which is kind of what we're trying to do on Sukkot. I love it. So it's like, that's what it's all about. And Daf Yomi,
0: just just for the total ignorance, people like myself, what exactly is Daf Yomi? Daf Yomi means the daily folio, the daily page
2: of Torah study, Talmud study. The Talmud is divided into 2,711 pages. And every day, there's thousands of Jews all over the world that study the very same folio. It's an idea that started early 1900s. Early 1900s, and it took off now a lot, um, especially with the advent of podcasts. Uh, people realize they can do it easier, and uh, there's a lot of material that they can access.
0: So if you want to study Talmud, but you don't even know which way to open up the page, you don't know anything, you can listen to the podcast and you can actually be up to date with the rest of the Jewish people on the Daf Yomi cycle. Right. And
2: look, it's not about, it's not an all or nothing situation. The way I understand Daf Yomi, whatever, there is no one who is so ignorant that he doesn't get some meaningful thoughts from the Daf of study. There's always something that Anybody can sink their and mind. What, what happens on
0: Shabbos? There's no, is there a new episode on Shabbos?
2: Um, there is always one on Shabbos. However, the although I cannot record on Shabbos, but because I do the, re- the review, so the day after Shabbos,
0: you will hear the review of it. What about, so, uh, sorry for me pestering. To the de- Yomtev. To the Yomtev. the You're on your own. But there are plenty
2: of podcasts that,
0: they do it ahead of time or something they'd like that. They do it
2: ahead of time. They do two in a row and etc. There's no shortage of available. And I'm not saying I'm the only one out there. Um, for some reason, I don't know, close to 100,000
0: listens. Wow, bravo. Bravo. Wow. I'm taking credit because I think I encouraged you to do it. You did encourage <laughs> me.
2: It was a few people. You were one of them. Um, you just said, it's not hard. You just press record. <laughs>
0: that's all you got and people do. reach out to you they know your email okay. um they
2: um they don't it's not, i guess it's not that easy on the podcast to find me
0: but people have reached out
2: but um i imagine that you know it, it, it is available there's a way to reach me um you just have to
0: find that stuff
2: right i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> you could go on the torch web and find a way to contact me rabbi Wolby has my number and he'll get it to me whatever questions you have. and
3: then we have a second podcast together
2: that's right. And um, the other unboxing. podcast is the Unboxing Judaism podcast that Ari will Wilby asked me to join and we talk about all manners of questions, things that might come up. Um, it's quite extemporaneous, but I love it. It's uh, questions that people bother people and uh, thoughts, and we, we just talk it out. And, uh, it's, a great, it's a great
0: venue, great well, opportunity. This might be like us trying out a new format. Maybe if it actually if the audio comes out <laughs> legible in any way, intelligible in any way, that's it's you know it's easier to prepare a fifth of a podcast than it is to prepare a whole podcast, I'm sure. Robert Busto, once again your shows
4: show is what is Judaism. What is that's Judaism? That's the podcast. The podcast is lay out the framework of philosophy. By the way, this is information that that unfortunately many people who grew up religious going to yeshiva are also not familiar with and it's painful but if you there's no monopoly on ignorance (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) but with god's help we'll finish the whole book if you listen to it you will have the entire framework of jewish philosophy that will answer many many questions that uh maybe you didn't even know you had but things that come up um you know, there's the obvious things like do we believe in hell? Do we believe in angels? And like, what what are the what are those ideas? But just an, a framework for understanding our reality. What's life about? And all the nitty gritty, the details, the systems. So, um, so I love that. it.
0: What is Judaism? And it happens to have one of the most iconic cover arts. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, it's just you want to see. The average rabbi and Joe, it's just a stunning picture. So even if you're not going to subscribe, search for What is Judaism? Just so you could marvel at the uh, at the incredible cover art. Okay, I, Rabbi Wolby, your shows? Three podcasts. Uh, I have the privilege of co of
3: collabing with Rabbi Yaakov Nagel on the Unboxing Judaism a podcast. We have the Jewish Inspiration podcast, which is a lot of the Musser content and my general weekly classes. And now we recently started the new Thinking Talmudist podcast, which is also a weekly class that hopefully every week will upload a new episode. Uh, we're working on a few more, but I want to hear... few more shows? A few more shows, yeah. We're working oh, wow. on a few more. Uh, there's a new one that's... It's in, the, in it, the works. It's in the works. It's in the works. It's Classes become very difficult because people ask questions, and people are coughing, and people are... Scratching the table and doing things like that, it becomes not such a pleasant experience for the listener. So we're trying to figure out solutions for that. But I want to hear all of your podcasts. You have my seven my podcasts.
0: shows, I have se, I have seven show. I guess seven We'll call it seven show. It's six plus one. Uh, the Parsha Podcast is about to complete its sixth cycle. Parsha Podcast, Parsha spelled P-A-R-S-H-A, Parsha Podcast. Uh, every week we have two episodes. Now in the new cycle, Please God, in a week, we're going to have three episodes every week. Look forward to that, Please God, Parsha podcast, the Jewish History podcast, like the Average Rabbi video, it's been a little bit on ice, but I hope to restart it in uh, the coming week's Ethics podcast, which is the Ethics of Our Fathers, which goes through the book of Pirkei Avos. Uh, we're towards the end, we're in chapter six, uh, we're nearing the, nearing the completion, we started in 2017, so we're nearing the end of that. Uh, the mitzvah podcast a snapshot of every mitzvah where you just have 20 minutes 30 minutes to know everything you need to know to have literacy in every mitzvah we're up to mitzvah number 102 or 103 something like that uh, then there's this jewish life which is the flagship show it's been around for 10 years which talks about uh, a motley mix of jewish subjects the festivals of course but deep dives into mitzvahs and anything that really is hundreds of episodes already on all matters of Jewish life and philosophy. And finally, Torah 101, the unfortunately titled Torah 101, which gives off the impression of it being very basic and rudimentary, which it's not. It goes through the principles, the the philosophical principles, the eschatological principles of our faith. Who wrote the Torah? What is oral Torah? How do we know it's real? What about Bible criticism? Torah and science, all these exciting questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right now, we're in the middle of the 13 principles of faith, which are the basic building blocks of what we believe as codified by Maimonides. Uh, I just recorded the 13th episode on principle number 11, which talks about reward and punishment. So we're going through it very very, very rigorously and very comprehensively, Torah 101. I think there's like a lot of shows here. I feel like if someone subscribes to all of this, they'll have years worth of listening but they'll become exquisite scholars and probably really handsome and beautiful and gorgeous as well, as well as very learned and personable and gregarious and amiable as well, I would imagine. But I uh, think you all, this I, was- I, w-
3: I wanna just share a story that you don't know about. Oh gosh. Okay. Just tonight, I was at a Scotch and cigars in the sukkah of a friend of mine and a guy co- walks over to me, a young gentleman, who walks over to me. He says, I wanna just tell you something. I never met this guy before. Don't know, I don't even remember his last name. I remember his first name. I'm not going to mention it here. And he says to me, I live by the Torch Podcast. And I proudly said, you're not talking about my podcast. Podcasts. You're talking about my brother's podcast. He says, no, 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 both of your podcasts. And he says, I'm going to tell you. I moved to Houston because I wanted to be in the Torch community. You never met him yet. Wow. And then he added, he says, I was a soldier in Afghanistan. And the only thing that kept me
0: alive were the Torch podcasts that I wow. listen to every day. Well, I, I did see we had a lot of downloads from Afghanistan. So now you know why. I thought it maybe the Taliban, <laughs> they wanted some good technique.
4: <laughs> oh, wow. Is that wow, it's a, a great chance. story? It's a true
0: story. Wow, it's uh, unbelievable. Right, and so
4: reach out. We want to hear from you. And like Dan said, he, he brought this up and he brought it up in a tangential way. But I can't even say how many times I've heard this where people have questions and then they preface it because they like, I will... I have this question, but I don't want to like sound blasphemous. We're not offended. We want to hear your questions. We like the controversy. We're not afraid of it. Right. Nothing's taboo. To reach out, ask questions. I, I promise you, you,
0: you could you would have to work for twelve days nonstop to get a, uh, to get crazier questions than I've got. I promise you, they make it the craziest yeah. one. Most of those questions are from me. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, you can email us at uh, podcasts at torchweb.org, rabbiwohlby at uh, gmail.com, or average at torchweb.org, or no. po- president at torchweb.org, rabbi nagel at torchweb.org, any email that you choose at torchweb.org. Thank It'll you for listening. It was a lot and of thank fun. You. Thank you, Rabbi Yasser. Bravo. You,
0: Bravo. Rabbi.